You're listening to Pod Wars with Gary and Justice. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Pod Wars. My name is Justice, and today we have a very exciting podcast. But before we get to it, let me introduce the man, the myth, the legend, the dude that's from where beer and cheese is made, Mr. Gary Shields. Uh, Dr. Carey, reporting for duty today. I am actually a doctor, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my wife's about to be a doctor soon, too. All right. But what are we doing today, guys? We're discussing Star Wars. And this is a huge moment for us on the Pod Wars podcast because we are finally doing our first collaboration with another podcast in the Red Five Family Network. That is Pizza and Parsecs. Dave, Liv, how are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. How about you? Doing I had good. no idea that we were in the presence of learned doctors. Yeah, I'm not going to think about that. Now I'm intimidated. It's a doctor like Dr. Dre or Dr. Pepper. So like if somebody's Even act- more intimidating. <laughs> oh, no, less intimidated. <laughs> less intimidated. I'm like just above Dr. Phil. Okay. Like that's the level of doctorate I have. <laughs> well, if also, Dre's taught us anything, okay. it's you don't forget about him. And we won't forget <laughs> about you. Thank you. Thank you. And Liv, I don't know if you know this, but you are actually the first female to appear on Pod Wars, um, if you're not including Isla. But, so, congrats. Wow, I feel so honored. Thank you. Breaking ground. Wow. Right? We just got rid of our um, girls have cooties policy. So, I mean, this is really a momentous occasion for us. We're still (laughs) working through that over here, too. I have cooties. (laughs) You have cooties. Uh. <laughs> All right. Before we, we jump into this, we're going to, uh, I have two announcements. The first one is this Evan, Chloe, Isla, and Luke are doing perfectly fine. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, Luke is adorable, and hopefully, Evan will be on a podcast soon. Right now, he's hanging out with his mother who is visiting him. The second announcement is this We, right now, it is July 26th, and we are recording right now, but tomorrow we will be recording with Chris Leps, and he is the stunt double for Johnny Depp um, on all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. We are really excited to have him on. Uh, that podcast will drop next week, so be looking out for that. But what are we doing today? What is this? Uh, I'm sure you guys have read the you read the the name of the podcast, so you kind of know what we're talking about Darth Vader. So I'm just going to give you a short synopsis, and then we're going to jump right in. So we're going to give some shout outs to the writers and some of the artists and the inkers. We're going to, and then we're going to talk about all of what we're going to go through and give like a, like just like a cliff note version of the runs, the arcs that happen in each of the series. Uh, and then we're going to talk about like our favorite parts, talk about how it affects Darth Vader, how it progresses the story and just kind of give it a review. If you haven't read the comic, maybe I would suggest or comics you haven't read them yet. I would maybe suggest pausing it, going and reading some of it, or just listen along to our magical voices as we describe my favorite character. Guys, you got anything else to add to that? I would say that I was first introduced to these comics through YouTube and other kind of areas, and they got me really interested in actually reading them. So it's good to kind of, if you haven't listened to, read the comics, to kind of listen in and hear just about the dopeness that is Darth Vader. And then once you hear about that, you can't help but think, okay, I have to pick these up. Right. This this whole podcast is designed to um, kind of just explain the story of what happens, but also to encourage you guys to go out and read comics because and read other Star Wars content because there's a lot of good content out there that's other than you know the TV show and the movies. So we're gonna jump right in, and I'm gonna just uh, you know give credit where credit's due and talk about some of the artists, the writers. Um, so we got two writers. We got the. Kieran Gillian, and he wrote the 2015 to 2016 run. Um, and then you have Charles Soule, who wrote uh, the 2018 to, I think, believe 2019. Uh, so some of the other works that Kieran Gillian has worked on, uh, his first real comic he considers is Phanogram. It's by Image in 2006. Dude's also worked on Uncanny X-Men, Avengers vs. X-Men, Thor, Iron Man, Dr. Afra, and my personal favorite, Once in Future, which is currently happening right now. It's by Boom. You guys should go and read that. And then we got Charles Soule. Dude has a really crazy cool life. He was a musician. 
He's an sorry musician. He's an attorney and novelist. He's written Oracle Year and Anyone. If you haven't read those books, I highly encourage you to go read it. But some of the comics that he's also been a part of is Swamp Thing, She-Hulk, Daredevil, which is an amazing run, Death of Wolverine and Return of Wolverine. And then his non-Marvel DC stuff is Curse Words and Undiscovered Country. And I believe he won an Eisner Award, which is basically like an Emmys or an Oscars uh, of comics for Undiscovered Country. Uh, we get with uh, Moving on to our penciler. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this when it comes to comics. You have the writers, then you have the people who like draw the outlines and like the background and like use like the like make the character, and then you have people who like color color it in. So our pencilers are Salvador Lacora. Sorry if I totally butchered that name. And he's also worked on Uncanny X-Men. And then he worked on the 2015 run. And in the 2018 run, we had Giuseppe. I'm not gonna try pronouncing his last name because I don't know it. But Kamun Coley. Wild guess. Good 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 try. Um <laughs> He worked on Amazing Spider-Man and Superior Spider-Man. And then for our inkers in 2015, we have Salvador again. And then in 2018, we got three of them. We got Cam Smith, Daniel or Orladani, and Terry Pallet. So I just wanted to give you guys kind of some of the names of the people who, you know, worked on this, made this these two beautiful comics. And the only name pronounced correctly was the dude with the last name Smith. So congrats on that there, Justice. Thanks. All right, guys. Dave Liv. How would you uh, hop on in and uh, kick us off with the first arc for the Gillian run? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I really liked about this first arc here with Vader was, you know, we get the Vader that we're very familiar with already. You know, this is a Vader where he's super, super powerful. Um, everybody fears him. And the big thing that one of the big takeaways that I had with this initial uh, run here was two things here. He's very comp. He seemed very confident in his position. Um, I know Liv might have some different opinions about that piece of it, but he, he always to call me out, Dave (laughs) (laughs) starting off strong first female already have opinions that differ from everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he he seemed very confident in uh, his position and the obviously afra's like a huge piece of uh you know th- this this entire run here and sh- her her entire story is super super interesting and that's actually her uh the recent novel that just came out the audio drama is something i'm into right now but I love how they utilized her and the relationship that she had with Vader was just incredibly unique. Um, You know, she had sort of a a fangirl-esque, irreverent fangirl, I guess you could, is how I would classify her towards Vader. I, I mean, there's just so much in this this initial uh set of six comics here is it, i loved i loved it but we got to hear okay so live where did you differ in your opinion here on vader oh well let me go ahead and just start out with making a disclaimer i have a certain viewpoint of vader that i hold near and dear to my heart and I was talking to Dave about it earlier today, and he gave me a really good sentence to utilize that I did not feel like this run was a part of my head canon with the original trilogy. I felt like this portrayed Vader in a very submissive and uh, insecure way in general, just like from beginning to end of this entire run. I just, I felt like, Vader couldn't find his voice and that differed from the original trilogy for me because I view Vader as this strong, independent, you know, he's still an apprentice, but he is feared. And in this, I did not fear Vader. I was like, eh, I could probably control you. Not even, And I'm tiny. Uh, not even in uh, uh, Vader Down, which we'll get to in a little bit, but uh, you guys didn't, you didn't. 
Honestly, I agree more with Liv on this because uh, we didn't get into the context at the beginning, but Vader is coming off of his defeat at the Death Star. So this is a point where Emperor Palpatine's kind of like playing the blame game and he's blaming Vader for that defeat. So Vader is kind of in a... He's kind of like the guy from high school who's like buying the gigantic truck with like the big old dualies and like a big old stack on it, but it's like five feet with tall. The, so he's with like the extra, on the back. Yes, yes. As somebody who grew up in a very <laughs> rural area, this is more common than I'd like to admit. But that's kind of how I'm picturing Vader here. He's that guy who's flexing a ton because he knows that he's kind of looked down on by his by his master. Yeah, and it's so bad that he even gets put under. Um, like he was under General Tarkin and now he's under uh, Tage. Um, and, you know, you could tell Vader's not happy with it. Um, you could tell Vader is really uncomfortable about it. And to the point where uh, this general has someone following him around and has someone like recording every single move that he has. And so you can just tell like Vader feels this like uneasiness in anything that he does. Uh, so for me, I think... Uh, the reason I didn't perceive it the same way as 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 Liv did was I saw all of that as a measure of Palpatine's insecurity and how he is responding to losing the Death Star because that was his security in the galaxy. And I know these are very broad strokes over pretty much this entire run, but I I just saw it more as this is how Palpatine is reacting because he has fear of losing his position out of power in the galaxy since they don't have this weapon anymore and they need to build it back up. Right. When I was making these notes for um, the podcast, one of the things that I really meant or noticed was that Darth Sidious is very concerned with everything that's going on within the Empire. And you don't really get to see this whole like, nervousness side in the actual movies and you're right it's because the death star you know exploded and he lost a ton of men and really valuable pieces so why is this run or this this first issue or i guess sorry uh arc really important because it introduces some really awesome characters that we kind of mentioned earlier that um really affect the whole uh series in itself one is dr afra and I, I think she's more of like a she's kind of like Indiana Jones but female in my opinion or like a the opposite of Han Solo, and then you also got Triple uh, Zero, which is like C three PO but with the red eyes and he likes to torture humans, and then you have BT which is RTD two but with like heavy heavy artillery guns and loves to just shoot people. Which I mean Triple Zero is now my new like one of my new favorite droids because he's just like. Justice, if you remember that character from Rick and Morty, who's like that assassin, it's like, ooh, what a great day to start killing. That's kind of how I feel about Triple Zero. He just loves what he does. You don't work a day in your life if you do what you love. Well, when I was reading these com, uh, like, so like my opinion of this first run is that like you get the opposite of every character that you know from the original trilogy, other than Darth Vader. Like you're, you got your, like the opposite of Han Solo, the opposite of C three PO, the opposite of R two D two, and Oh, the opposite of Chewie. And, um, you know, like, Triple Zero is that comedic relief in the whole series where he's like, let's go kill more people. Let's go and, you know, let's use their blood to make our droids, like, better. Like, stuff like that. I don't know. But Dave and Liv, what do you guys think about Triple Zero, Afra, and kind of those side characters? I just love, the, I love the term blastromech. <laughs> <laughs> that was- <laughs> that just that made my heart smile in such a big way when I first when they were first introducing us to uh, to to BT and Triple Zero. Triple Zero is of course a character that y'all have already articulated what he is very very well. The only thing I'll add to it is I kind of saw I, w- I was reading and I couldn't help draw like maybe like a little bit of a parallel to what we get in the Mandalorian with IG 11 sort of has that same sass to him or even and, K2S. Oh, or oh I, yeah. I the name. I, I totally butchered that, but the guy from rogue one K2SO. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you get a droid with a lot of personality like K2SO IG 11 L three from solo that stuff like that just makes my heart happy. And Dr. Afra, such a, 
cool and interesting character. And you mentioned the parallel to Indiana Jones and there's a, there's a quote that's almost directly from Indiana Jones where Indiana Jones's catch one of Indiana Jones's catchphrases is it belongs in a museum. And then you have Afro in this one panel where she's talking about the, uh, this piece of weaponry and she's like, it belongs in an armory. And I just couldn't help draw the parallel <laughs> between the two of those things. It was awesome. That's I great. loved that. So just to kind of round out this, this first idea of what's going on in this issue, uh, because of everything that's going on, Vader kind of, I say he gets pissed off a way that Palpatine's treating him. So he's going to create his own army. And the way he does that is he goes to Geonosis and he goes and because there is a queen there who's still like she, if you guys read it, it's like this, like there's like really cool horror comic to aspect to it, but she's like using her eggs and fusing them with these old droids. And he basically takes her out so that he can replicate his own droids that they were using from like the separatist days. And in the process of doing this, he find he meets this guy Silo. I believe that's how you say it. What do you guys? Is that how you guys say it? Or have been saying it in your head? I've I've been saying it Silo. I initially said Kylo, and then I was I, as soon as I said it out loud, I was <laughs> like, no, I don't think that works. It's Silo. It's yeah. got to be Silo. Yeah, that's that's the same way I've been reading it. Silo. Cool. I just didn't want to keep on talking and you guys being like, what is he talking about? But this this Silo character is really an important because it introduces the idea that because vader failed with the empire you get introduced to these other characters where silo has been creating technically more apprentices that uh darth sidious could ultimately use if vader continues to fail or dies so his whole thing is using humans and cybernetics and we get twins who aren't super force sensitive a trandoshan with we get a scientist who sees through different droids kind of like when uh, Luke is like using like the blaster shield and is like fighting off the droid, um, blocking the bullets. She's got a bunch of those. And then we get Commander Carabin, which if you guys don't know, he's from the Clone Wars. He used to be a good guy and then he turned bad. And he's kind of like our General Grievous for post uh, or like original trilogy. I always call him Angry Akbar because he's Ahmad Calamari. <laughs> I was going to mention something like that. <laughs> I like Angry Akbar. Yeah, I mean, he he totally is. And he he's a, he's a feisty fella. We'll say that for sure. But the, the last big thing about this whole uh, arc is that Darth Vader is consumed with the idea of figuring out who blew up the Death Star. And so he hires Boba Fett to go and find this Luke kid. So now we're moving to Shadows and Secrets. Liv, what did you guys think of uh, what did you think of this uh, arc? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I feel like I'm an awful person because, to be honest, it was I, I felt the same way about Shadows and Secrets as I did the previous one. It's it just it painted Vader in a in a light that I could not connect in my brain to make sense of. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes no, sense. No, it does. I, I have um I've read these these both of these three times now, and each time I've read it, I have not that I don't like the Gillian run, I just have a hard time with it because I, I do feel like I do feel like it's not Vader um until we get to Vader down, which is like some that next arc, which I'm really excited to talk about and hopefully spend a lot of time there. But uh yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with you. It's it just doesn't it's just, sometimes it just doesn't feel right reading it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, again, going back to what I said earlier, I just, I feel like I have a particular view of Vader and this kind of discredits almost how I felt about Vader. And again, just, I'm not able to keep this in the same timeline as the trilogy. There were, there obviously are moments in each one of the, you know, runs that I was like, oh, I really, I like this moment and I like this connection. You know, when we get moments with Boba Fett and we get moments with, you know, connecting it to Empire Strikes Back and New Hope and all of the, you know, OG trilogies, those moments for me were fantastic. But Overall, it wasn't the biggest fan of it, and I feel bad for saying that. But no, it's no, you, it's your opinion, and it's totally cool. I, uh, I can, 
I can kind of agree. I mean, it's Darth Vader, so I love everything about it. But also, I you know definitely had my favorites. And but yeah, Gary, what do you think about it? I I'd, I'd agree that it's the least it's the least compelling part of the run, in my opinion. Um, it's still good. It's still Star Wars, but like, there's only a few spots that I really loved. Like, I love that Luke fought Boba Fett, but that was just a little taste of what happened there. I like getting a little bit more of Afra's backstory. But as far as the Vader stuff, it's more of him kind of trying to build up his new army and less of him just being kind of like the badass, tough guy Vader that we really know. Right. In this arc, we kind of just, it's more of Vader trying to, I would also almost say like undermine Palpatine. And the last arc, he gets, he tries to build this army. And this arc, he has Afra steal a crap ton of credits from the Huddies people. And he uses a bunch of other, she, you know, contracts a bunch of other bounty hunters, which that's really cool. Getting to see, you know, Bosk and IG-90 and Betox being involved in this story. Um, and uh, Craston Black, which is like, you know, evil Chewbacca. He's super cool. I like him a lot. I do want to get your guys' opinions on kind of the Afra backstory, because I thought it was kind of interesting. Because uh, my whole, like, question during this whole run was, why the heck does Afra want to follow Vader? And it kind of gives some glimpses of how she basically, like, her mom lived as a little, like, Star Wars hippie who ended up facing, like, the big brunt of the fact that this is a universe that has wars in the stars and kind of led to that persecution and her just having this hatred of the anarchy and wanting order. And that's how she clings to Vader. What did you guys think of kind of the development of Afra throughout all this thing? We keep pointing to each other. <laughs> we didn't your know. turn. It's your turn. <laughs> it's your turn. So I, so as far as like, I, I'm not really sure that I felt like I needed uh, the backstory behind Afra as to like why she was a huge fan of Vader, I guess. And the entire, I'm not articulating this well. I don't think it was something that I felt like I needed. And then I got it and I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And it, it's not something that entirely struck me, I guess. It wasn't a very impactful piece in my book, I guess. I did, Agreed. I, I was going to say, I do think it's interesting that she basically uses her like resourcefulness to figure out that she finds the coroner um, or the mortician who, you know, laid Padme to rest. So that, and she figures out that, you know, she was with child. However, she does only, she only figures out that she was with child with Luke, um, which I, I like, I say with child instead of pregnant. It's like the King James know. version of pod wars right now. <laughs> Great with child. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I liked that a lot too. When, when, when she was playing her little investigation and, I thought it was really cool how far they went to actually cover up the fact that Padme was, you know, she had ha she had given birth and she was no longer with child at time of death. Right, because like, like you only see in you know episode three where she's got like she's you know they're going through the funeral and like you could see her stomach is you know she's like they have, obviously probably a pillow. It's cool that they how they you know they hide this. I wonder you know. Did, how did Obi did Obi Wan or Yoda like really play into this? Like help this guy out or whatnot? But I'm I'm also slightly disappointed because Afra is that kind of person, especially with BT and Triple Zero there. How she didn't figure out that there was another one. Like I I would have thought that like with her talent that she would have been able to figure out both sides of it, both sides and not just the fact that it was just Luke. Well, I think it has a lot to do with Afra's nature. One of the things that I read into as you know I was going through all of these runs was she's quick to make a decision and then act on it and then doesn't turn back around or wait patiently for further results. At least that's how I felt. And this just can, you know, this continued to elaborate more on she had, she made up her mind. He was going to die in that moment. She didn't need any more information. She got what she came for. Peace out home scout. I'm, 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 I'm leaving. Exactly, because then, because like, I believe Triple Zero is like, I can torture him some more if you want me to. Like, I would love to do that. And she's like, No, let's go. And anytime you know Triple Zero kind of talks and wants to torture people, I'm all, I'm all for it. I think it's hilarious. 
and it kind of shows how she's kind of the anti-Solo. I don't know if that's a good way to describe it, but it's a very Han Solo type quality to just like think and do something and go, which I kind of got that impression too. She's like, I'm just going to get this done, do fast acting and then get out. So while all this is going on, you know, the first couple parts, the two runs, the first part are really focusing on Vader and Aphra. And, you know, Vader's whole thing is he's really trying to, you know, he the first inspector that he gets was a traitor and he ends up getting him killed. The second one is a really smart guy. His name is Than- Thanoth, Thanoth. And he, the whole time, like, they're playing this chess match to figure out, like, is Thanoth going to figure out if Vader knows that he's, like, he's the one who's, I don't know how to explain it. He's the one who's, like, behind all of these like mishaps that are happening to the empire. So like while you get the whole Afro story, you get this like weird chess match going on with uh, the Imperial and Vader. But that leads to my favorite part of the whole like Gillian run Vader down, which if you're going to, you know, go and read this, you need to have the current star Wars run and you need to have the, the one that's written by Jason Aaron. And then you need to have, vader down and then you have to have the vader series to fully kind of understand what's going on the first time i read it i only wrote read the darth vader stuff and i was like how did this jump to this to this to this and it's like the reason that it happened is because marvel does this thing where they do these events and it's the first event star wars event where they incorporate like all these star wars comics together and you have this perfect awesome story about vader being a badass that being said the first, the only comic of this entire run that I had read previously before us podcasting was Vader Down. I read it separately, had no idea was go- what was going on, and did not care in the slightest because it was just Vader being a badass for the entire comic. Like, if you just want to see Vader kind of at his peak, like make Rogue One scene look like nothing, this is kind of the one you want to go for. We're getting to Vader Down, and if you don't know, like this is like the iconic like. If you search like Darth Vader and then comics, like panels from this story is what comes up. This is like the epitome, I think, of the Gillian's run. Like this is like the highest bar. Like this is the ultimate part of you know this whole run. What is Vader down? Basically, there's a bunch of rebels on, or oh no, let me back it up a little bit. Because Afra figures out all this information about Luke. She sends Vader to go after him. And he goes, he, uh, Luke is at this, like, looking, trying to figure out more about the Jedi because Obi-Wan says he's not ready to be a Jedi. Uh, so Vader gets to this planet and comes upon all these starfighters. And they're like, all these X Wings. And they're like, oh, guys, we have a rogue one. He's not backing down. And Vader decides to just absolutely obliterate every single person in this squadron like there's a crazy scene where you get to see like all these dead people just like floating in space because he's just like wrecked multiple squadrons to the point where luke is like screw this and he literally flies his x-wing into darth vader's tie fighter and they crash on this planet that's why it's called vader down and the amazing part about this run is that like You'd expect the rebels to not take this too seriously. It's one person. No, they arm their entire freaking army and they're like going more hardcore than they probably ever do in other battles that we see of them. They take everyone and they're like, we're going to take down Vader. Leia sends literally everyone and their mother to this planet so that they can kill Vader and end the war. That's what they think. And so you get this iconic scene where well for the comic wise darth vader is surrounded by every single rebel they ever have like on this planet and one of the one of the rebels is like vader you're surrounded like drop your lightsaber basically and you have this awesome line and vader says all i'm surrounded by is fear and dead man and like and then he just proceeds to wreck havoc he like like uses the force to pull their like grenades off of them and they start exploding and then he starts just like killing everyone and they're sending like more and more reinforcements and during this time you also have afra triple zero and bt her going after luke and you you get this like really cool dynamic between han and leia like that whole you know romance going on 
Leia is willing to sacrifice all these people to fight Vader, but she's not willing to send out Han to go get Luke or to even fight Vader because she's not willing to lose him, which I thought was, you know, something super interesting. It was interesting, but awkward. It was yeah, super awkward, it is. Bro. But you also get the, you, you get the, you get the solid line though, where like Han's like about at the Millennium Falcon, he's like, Chewie, like get her going. And like Chewie like does his Wookiee noise. And then, and Han's like, yep, it's the usual, like it's, you know, the normal thing we're about to get into this mess, you know, our normal lives. And then you have like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like Luke gets captured by Afra. Luke gets uncaptured by Afra. Luke gets captured by Afra again. Like it's like this back and forth of like poor Luke, like getting captured and uncaptured. Like he is, he's a really bad Jedi at this moment. Just got to say, you also get this really cool scene where the reason that Luke is at this planet, the reason that the rebels are here and the reason Vader is here is because Carabin, the Akbar General Grievous, planned it all and he sends all his troops there as well so that he can either destroy the rebel fleet or capture Luke or get Vader killed. And it's a win-win-win for him. And so you have like this fight between Carabin and you have the fight between Vader, which personally I thought it was like the, it's the General Grievous Anakin fight that we never got. Like, we always see, you know, Obi-Wan fighting him, but we never see Anakin fight General Grievous. It's it's a pretty great fight. I mean, I wish that Vader kind of conclusively beat him offhand. Like, there's times where Vader kind of has the... He has the low ground, pardon the terrible Star Wars reference. But it's still, like, a dope fight, and it's kind of like, like Justice said, that Grievous-Vader fight. But I got to highlight the part where... Because, you know, I'm a Kylo Ren fan. I love me some Kylo. Vader is way cooler than Kylo in one moment where he literally uses the Force to take down a ship. So think like Rise of Skywalker when Kylo and Rey are trying to just hold a ship. Vader just like pinches his fingers and destroys it. And I'm like, okay, I can respect that part. I love that. And so this this whole arc is just... It is by far my favorite. You know, you get a huge battle between the rebels, between two different factions of the Empire fighting against each other. And then it, it's, but it's also kind of awkward because, you know, you have, you basically get like the opposite version of the, you know, other character where I'm like a, the original character, like original trilogy characters where you have like C3PO, RTD2, Han, Chewie fighting their like exact opposites and seeing them either get destroyed or beat them up. Like C3PO gets his arms ripped off like multiple times or he gets his head like punched by a crest in black. It's, it's great. But like, again, this arc is cool because there's a lot of fighting, but it's also, you get to see, like, see like what would happen if their counterpart came and like, how would they react to that? And the answer is Chewbacca do what Chewbacca do. Yeah. He gets poisoned and then R2 like unpoisons him and he wrecks Kraston like nobody's business. This Chewy, or this Chewy goes off, and it's a lot of fun to watch, um, or read, and look at. All the artwork is really pretty too. But that leads us into the Show Turin War. What, what, uh, Dave? Live? What did you guys think of uh, this one? Um, I think out of all of the runs, this was my favorite because Palpatine wasn't really involved firsthand, at least in my opinion. But we really get to see Vader and his manipulation tactics and how he kind of took a situation and made it beneficial to him more so than anybody else. So I, I really enjoyed it. And I think what really got me the most was the fact that there was so much action in it and it wasn't so much manipulative dialogue and just like blaster shooting left and right vader using his lightsaber people dying someone got their hand cut off and i love it when limbs are lost so it's great you so have yeah triple, you have I triple mean, zero doesn't? offering to use blood i love i love triple zero like yeah, i love the uh the droid uprising uh and their thirst for blood their bloodlust <laughs> literal bloodlust to to power this uh droid army uh, led by triple uh, zero. I love that. <laughs> like L3 took it to a level where all the droids and then like triple zero, like way crossed the line and like totally changed all the droids where like they power off of like human blood, which is super messed up. And I love it. 
It was pretty metal. But guys, it was pretty metal. But guys, we gotta talk about the Vader dancing skills here. Okay, like you two are gonna be getting married soon, and you know you're gonna have that one curmuffin who's not gonna want to dance at the wedding. Vader is said curmuffin. <laughs> yes, if you. Uh, if you want to add little add to your spice on this run, you should read the annual. And in the annual, you get uh, Vader first meeting and going on to the show Turin uh, planet. And when he meets the princess and they're, the barons are all dancing and they get pissed off at Vader. And so basically he picks one up with the force and he slams him in the ground. And he's like, that's how I feel about dancing. <laughs> and... <laughs> and then he, he punctuates that entire sequence with... Who else wants to be my uh, partner <laughs> or something like that? <laughs> it's great. It's it's so Vader. Like I, I love when you catch glimpses of his wit, albeit dark, but that that same Anakin wit comes through in those moments for me. Even if it is really, really dark, I appreciate that. So after the awkward Vader turning down dancing scene, you kind of get to meet this royal court and you see how they're basically plotting to kill Vader. And the plot, as you can guess, since Vader is still alive by the time of Return of the Jedi, the plot doesn't go super well. So they have one of the princesses basically try to lure Vader into this gigantic just tube that's going to cause a thruster that's just going to destroy Vader with all this lava. Uh, but Vader, of course, using the Force, knows that this is going to happen and just cuts a little hole with his lightsaber and gets out just fine. Now, then it moves on from there. You get a little bit more of Triple Zero being his Triple Zero self, and you come in on him, and all the royals are basically dead, except for that princess who tried to kill Vader while sacrificing herself. And Vader, in his great badassery, decides, you know what, to show how I'm going to treat this planet from now on, I'm going to give this princess the remains of Alderaan. And it's just this one tiny rock as an example that, hey, this is what's going to happen to your planet if you don't listen to me. Yeah, and basically the show turn run is, or war, is all about, you know, this planet and the barons who mine ore are rebelling and Vader and this queen, you know, take control, totally take them out, and they have a lot of fun doing it with Triple uh, Zero and BT. So, which leads us to the last... Favorite Triple Zero quote, though. Uh, from He goes, Oh, the humanity, BT. Dying humanity. The best kind. Oh, tis, it's really such a lovely war. Just cut good old Triple Zero sass. <laughs> Oh, he's so good in this. He's so good. Arguably better than C-3PO, but that's a hot take. Oh, oh, we're going to disagree hardcore on that, <laughs> but I'm going to just, I've already stirring up the pot a little too much, so maybe I'll just keep my mouth shut. No, I'm just kidding. C-3PO is great, but Triple Zero also is he really is funny. the best droid. Come at me. Oh, I don't know about that. Ooh. We all know mm. C-3PO is my favorite droid. I think we need to have a, a follow-up podcast to continue this conversation. Yeah, we're gonna sidebar this, and then we'll uh, we'll definitely we'll go on to pizza and parsecs, and we'll, we'll talk about this. <laughs> mm, that's my home turf. So, <laughs> all right. So now we're gonna get into the last part of the Gillian run, which is Vader End Games, or End of Games, and basically. The whole point of that war in the last arc was to show that the Silo character who created the cybernetics uh, characters that we talked about in the beginning, he was basically just trying to upend everything that the Emperor was working on, and now he's a traitor. So Vader is going after him with all his might, um, and we have the epicness of Vader taking out all these other cybernetic-enhanced characters. Guys, which one was your favorite battle that he went through? I really liked his encounter with the scientist, to be honest. Um, all of the like extra tests that she kind of put him through and the Rancor scene it was really, really, in my opinion, it was like really Star Wars-esque. Like I felt like I was reading Star Wars when, again, 
this is an unpopular opinion, the whole entire series of comics that this is, I didn't really feel a whole lot of Star Wars. That was like the Star Wars moment for me. So I, I really enjoyed his encounter with the scientist. Yeah, when he when he tries to like force choke it, its neck, and then she already like planned for that. I think that and she has like this like anti force choke collar. Like a reinforced necktie. Uh, like turtleneck for your rancor type deal. <laughs> turtleneck. Could you imagine a rancor with a turtleneck? <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> that would uh that would definitely be interesting. I also really got a lot of like Return of the Jedi vibes with Luke fighting the Rancor uh in Jabba's palace while reading it. Um but Vader does it, you know, so much cooler because he's got a lightsaber and he like sends the blade right through the guy's the the Rancor's brain and totally destroys him. Vader style. I actually really liked when he fought the twins, he fights the twins and the, he, the, the, the first female twin gets destroyed in the war, uh, the last arc. And she kind of like reveals the whole plot to him, but then he, you know, fights the boy twin and the whole time he's like cocky, the whole arc, the whole series just like thinks that he's better than Vader and Vader just kind of wrecks him. Not even, I don't think Vader even really tried. What do you think, Gary? I mean, I, not to skip ahead, though, I, I love Vader's kind of showdown with Silo and how basically he has all of his contraptions turned off so that he's thinking Vader's obviously going to die because he has super Vader asthma and can't breathe. And as a dude with asthma, I appreciate Vader just being like, nah, I'm good, coming up and just wrecking still. I love that part of the comic and just shows how intense Vader is. Right. So to give a little context behind that, uh, Silo designed Vader's suit, and so he turns it off. And Vader, through sheer like anger and force and power, like overcomes the non-active suit and like just like obliterates Silo. And then you know, happy ending. <laughs> what well, I liked, I liked that piece of it because it. You, you know one of one of the when you, when you when you think about Darth Vader one of the things that comes to mind is more machine than man and were that true this would have been something that had felled Darth Vader but it wasn't um he he was able to persevere and push through it and to me i think that speaks to that he still is more man than machine Oh, for sure. Um, and we'll even get more into it in the soul run, but I feel like during the meditation stuff, you could definitely tell like the he's more he's way more man than he is machine. And so yeah, I that I guess I would I guess I uh, stand corrected about the whole my favorite fight is between the um the twins. I would say probably you're right, Gary, the the fact that he's still able to overcome his, you know, being a charred meat sack and being able to still take out silo. Charred meat sack. I like that terminology as well. I mean, that's I, what didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. No and, that, and and that's why we've only had one female guest so far. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have brothers, so I don't know why charred meat sack just made me think of like really bad sausages or something like that. It just made I made a face. Oh <laughs> yeah. I mean we're on Wisconsin. It's a land of really bad sausages. Obi-Wan's the grill master. <laughs> That's a yeah. hot take right there. Pardon the pun. All right, you're done. Um <laughs> All right, guys, we're gonna move into uh the soul run, which is my favorite. Wait, but wait, wait. I you, think- you forgot though, before going into the soul run, the end of Afra here. So Afra from the beginning was like, hey, I know you're going to kill me at some point, Vader, but please, please do not send me into the airlock. And Vader being what Vader be, he decides, no, I'm not going to let her have a merciful death. I'm going to send her out into the vacuum of space. Now, we might get into this later based off a request from Pat Charles from Conversations onto the plot hole of Leia floating into space and not dying. Afra, a non-force sensitive, somehow floats in the vacuum of space, doesn't die, and lives on to create more comics and make more money for Marvel. Yeah, uh, you know, you got 
clones can't survive the outer space, but uh, African girl power, girl power, girl power. All right, <laughs> all right. You have I'm to be gonna... a female to to survive space. <laughs> I actually like that view. We might we, we might see that. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, before we wrap up this podcast, we tried to make it into one whole podcast, but we just got done with the Gillian run. And so we're going to make this into a two-parter. But before we wrap it up, what did you guys think of the tar- of the, the the Tuscan Raider little short story at the very end where it's like Darth Vader destroying more Tuscan Raiders and then they end up worshiping Darth Vader? I feel like that's like a really meta story. That was really weird. Like, like, <laughs> I was perfect- going to say the same thing. To be perfectly honest, like when that fr- last scene popped up, the first thing that came to mind was uh, the Wicker Man. I'm not sure if y'all yes. have seen that. Uh, oh my cage, word! Yes, cage. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of. Not not because it has much like any sort of relation. Just visually, it evoked that same sort of uh, thought in my head. Um, I did, I did think it was interesting and I think that it was a, I, I'm not sure how I felt about the placement because I felt like they, it was introducing part of their culture, uh, you know, the Tuscan Raider culture as a bookend to the, the Vader run, which I get that, you know, the Tuscan Raiders are a piece of, you know, Anakin Skywalker's history and thereby Vader's history. But I just not sure how I felt about that being a punctuation mark to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I don't know. I thought it was, like I said, it was, it's, it's a pretty meta story. I think it also just kind of shows the, the power and the impact that Vader has on the planets that he goes to, to the point where like the fact that like he wrecks havoc on these people and they end up worshiping him because of how powerful he is. Um, I don't know. I I do think it was a very weird way to end it. This might be the most unpopular opinion that I could possibly give. You know, that's all I've been doing so far. But it was probably the only part of the Vader, this particular Vader comic series that I was like, Oh, there you are, Vader. Like, that makes sense. <laughs> There's the big guy that, like, destroys everything and is, like, super powerful and massive macho man who's, like, I will take control. Like, that was the only time I was like, okay, I get it now. <laughs> I'm going to do this, and I'm going to feel bad saying it, and I don't care, but it's really funny. Dave and Liv didn't read Vader down, so you guys definitely haven't... Uh, uh, experience the macho-ness of death, Darth Vader. and But when you do, <laughs> you need to come and you need to let us know what you feel because I feel like you, the, the whole, like, I don't feel Vader would uh, make up for um, that, that that one arc will make up for it. Fair, Sorry to throw fair. you under the bus. <laughs> no, it's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but again, and you, I, you I, might be right, but don't be, don't be sad when I come back to you and like, eh, still didn't like it. <laughs> That's fine, but I mean, so we got guys. Look at think about this. We have we have two podcasts now, where we can go on Pizza and Parsecs and talk about, you know, why C three PO is not a great droid, and how, how Darth Vader redeems himself in the uh, the Vader down arc. But well, overall, guys, I'm gonna be eating pineapple pizza the whole time. <laughs> We're carrying on a Pod Wars theme Ew. of just. Kind of crapping on Justice's opinions, which I thoroughly enjoy. I, I feel like our whole fan base is just like, ooh, Gary crapping on Justice. Ooh, this is fun. <laughs> oh. I crap on everybody, so it's fine. Any, there was a lot any, that I liked about this, though. Yeah. For like, sure. Let's jump into final thoughts. Um, you know, how did how did this story, uh, you know, progress uh, Vader, what, any, any closing thoughts? So one of the big things that I loved about this run, and I, it's, it's not my favorite iteration of Vader. I mean, we're, we're going to be talking about this whole run. Um, but with the Gillen run in general, I felt like it did a good job of, 
you know, how do we get from the this early Vader? Um, how do we get from the Vader post Revenge of the Sith, this kid that threw away literally everything to become a Sith Lord so that he could save Padme, train under um, Darth Sidious? How do we get from that to a guy that throws Sidious off a off a ledge into a power well? How do we get from point A to point B? And I felt like this run here did a pretty good job of articulating that. One of the messages that I got from this was Vader had, you know, he's he's getting kind of fed up with Palpatine's nonsense. Uh, that was one of the big things that I took away from this. And you could really see it wearing on him. And that to me, that that was probably the biggest thing that I liked about this. Aside from, you know, introducing all these awesome new characters, you got your Afras, uh, your BTs, and your triple zeros. But, you know, showing Vader's growing frustration and discontent with Sidious was very apparent to me in the Gillen run. And I liked that. Yeah, for sure. You you definitely like see the cracks in their relationship, which, you know, the more and more that happens, the more and more Vader, you know, keeps on hiding from Sidious, the more and more you kind of see, you know, why he would eventually turn um, and help out Luke. So I, I, I get what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. and I completely agree. Overall, I think it was fun. Again, we're, we're loving on. You guys going to have to check out the next episode because the soul run, I think, is the peak of Vader comics. And this run, it felt fun. It gave us glimpses of Vader and his awesomeness, but it wasn't the cohesive Vader storyline I was looking for. This run was really cool at telling little snippets of Vader in between the movies. The next run, I think, tells a good cohesive story of you have Vader out of episode three, trying to redeem himself in the darkness and kill a bunch of Jedi. And that's kind of the cohesive story of that run. This run had fun snippets with Vader down, the fight with Silo, the fight with uh, Mini Akbar, but it didn't have that same kind of flair for me. So guys, we're going to end this podcast. Thank you, Dave and Liv, for hopping on this one. Be excited for the interview with Chris Leps. We're excited to talk some Pirates of the Caribbean and just, you know, how many injuries he's gotten from being a stunt double. And then be looking out for the part two to this podcast, all about the soul run. We're going to get on the soul train. And if you've listened to the Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman podcast, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And with that, have a great week.